Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the official podcast of Cubbyscrib.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Meisner, Taylor Mathis, and Justin Curran. Good evening, everybody. This is Jake Meisner here with you for the second episode of the Cubby's Crib podcast. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host Taylor Mathis, and this week I've we do not have. Yeah, this week we don't have Justin. We have Alex with us. So, Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, as most of you guys know, we took a few weeks off for the holidays, kind of let everyone spend time with family, loved ones, friends, get through the Christmas and New Year season, and now we're back, and in three weeks, we have missed absolutely nothing, and today we thought we might have something substantive to talk about as far as the hot stove goes, Uh, multiple sources this morning reporting that Pittsburgh Pirates right-hander Garrett Cole to the Houston Astros was an imminent deal before it all imploded, and we are right back in the ice-cold stove that has been this offseason. So, Alex, I guess I will just start with you. Um, you know, what were your thoughts when you heard uh, that, and uh, I guess what are your thoughts now that it didn't go through? Well, at first, when I heard about it, I thought, well, Garrett Cole is out of the central. So I figured that was kind of a nice thing. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to wait here and see what the return is for Pittsburgh. Because when I saw that they were selling off Garrett Cole, I figured, all right, I think it's time that they're uh, going to be start selling and fire selling and everything like that. So before I even got that answer, I was told that there was no deal imminent. And I figured, well, this just sums up this off season. Nothing's happening. And the slight indication of something exciting, this off season says, Nope, can't happen. Not allowed. And here we are. No deal. Yeah. That was kind of where I was at too. Um, as we were talking about briefly before the show, I work uh, actually at Wilson sporting goods in their baseball division now. So everyone eats, sleeps and breathes baseball year round. And, and the office was kind of buzzing talking about what it meant for the Cubs. Uh, my first thought, honestly, uh, was Kyle Schwarber taking Garrett Cole into the Allegheny River in the wildcard game a few years ago, uh, followed quickly by if Houston lands Garrett Cole, that's going to take a big fish with money out of contention on Jake Arrieta, Alex Cobb, and or Yu Darvish. Um, all three remain unsigned. And, Taylor, I know you and I, uh, with Justin, talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, You know, with the little that has transpired over the last three weeks, have your feelings or thoughts changed at all on who you would prefer the Cubs uh, sign here to round up the rotation? Um, I mean, I got to say now at this point, I would go with you, Darvish, probably as my pick. Um, But – I have an interesting question for you guys. You know, we were saying the off season has been pretty much ice cold. What do you really think has been the biggest deal that's even happened so far in this off season? Alex, you can go ahead and start. 
The biggest deal? Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because Tyler Chatwood was one of the first big deals to happen, uh, not only for the Cubs, but in baseball. Uh, I think Wade Davis was a pretty big deal as well, considering he's a reliever getting an insane amount of money, and he was an all-star last year. Um, the Obviously, the Stanton trade was probably the big move, but I think in terms of like free agency, I would put like Wade Davis up there, Tyler Chatwood up there. Uh, other than that, there really hasn't been much. There have been a lot of small signings and everything, but, you know, the biggest move in terms of just trading and signing would obviously for me have to be the Stanton trade. But if you're not counting that and just counting free agent signings, you can't even count that one either. Yeah. And I think, I think Wade Davis has to be the big signing of the off season right now, just because it's so intriguing to watch the Colorado Rockies try and win by building some type of super bullpen. Um, playing in Colorado, we all know it's a hitter's paradise. Um, so I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out um, in 2018 and beyond. I don't think by the end of that deal they're going to be a big fan of Wade Davis. I could be wrong. Um, and, and one other signing that I and everyone else seems to forget about, uh, Carlos Santana to the Phillies on a three-year $60 million deal with a Completely club forgot about that. The yeah, so did so I know that, you said that. So that's the only, like, major position player move. Um, you know, I don't really consider Rene Rivera a major position player move. Uh, former Cubs backstop from last season, uh, heading west to join the Angels. So, obviously, best of luck to him. Uh, he was great. He, did, he was exactly what we needed last year when, when Contreras was down you know, ate some time up, but uh, back to the, to the Wade Davis thing a little bit here, you know, how do you guys feel if the Cubs don't add another shutdown reliever and we go into 2018 with some combination of Carl Edwards, Pedro Strope, Steve Ciszek and Brandon Morrow handling the ninth inning. Uh, Taylor, we'll start with you. How do you feel as a fan, you know, if that's your, closing staff, if you will, how are you feeling? Um, I would say personally, not that confident. I know that everybody like, you know, says that Brandon Morrow had a breakout year with the Dodgers and played great throughout the postseason and everything like that, which I agree with. I just, I don't know. I don't feel that comfortable with the Cubs not having an ace closer, but maybe that's just because over the past two years, I mean, we've had Chapman and Davis who are arguably probably two of the best in the entire league. So maybe I I just have high expectations when it comes to a closer and I don't really see Brandon Morrow living up to that. And what about you, Alex? I think that I would be okay with it, but I always want more. The thing with the bullpen is you can never have enough good arms and you can never have enough experienced arms because let's face it. Yeah, I know. I saw a few reports today that the Cubs are still in to a degree on, on uh, Greg Holland. Uh, if you're not going to give Davis the money, I really don't want to give Holland the money. I'm with you, Alex. I'm a big Addison Reed guy. I think he'd slot in there nicely, but I think there's one guy uh, who's going to be the the linchpin for this bullpen. And I think it comes down to Justin Wilson. Um, 
Jed Hoyer spoke with The Athletic a couple days ago and said that the Cubs have a problem onboarding pitchers mid-year. Um, you saw it with Adam Warren a couple of years ago. You, they brought him in and then flipped him again at the deadline. You know, making that transition smooth, working with pitchers to make sure they're comfortable, ready to step into high-leverage situations. It's been an issue. Uh, Joe Smith didn't really pitch that much with the Cubs, but he wasn't great when he did. So we've seen this a couple times over the last few years. Um, Alex, how do you feel about Justin Wilson? I know a lot of people are leery on him, but what are you looking for and expecting from him uh, in his final year? I think he's going to rebound. I don't think he's going to be like Detroit fantastic because if you look at his career numbers, he's had some good years, but his run in Detroit last year before he came to the Cubs was really, really good. I'm not sure he's ever going to get back to that, but I still think he could be an effective reliever because when he was with the Cubs, you saw that his stuff, just his pure stuff, whether it was in the strike zone or not in the strike zone, was still really good. It was all just about the location. And I think that a guy like Jim Hickey, you bring him in as the pitching coach, I mean, sure, I think he could work with him and kind of get that command back. As long as he has that same stuff and he commands it better, I think he'll be effective again. So I'm not giving up on him just yet. Taylor, what about you? All right. To be honest, guys, um, I think that I might've just like lost a signal or something for a little bit because you guys kept cutting in and out. So I'm not really sure who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. We were just talking about um, how Justin Wilson really struggled last year after he came over from Detroit and uh, Alex said he expects him to be good, but not great. Um, you know, this is his last, he's heading into a contract year. The Cubs brought him in to be this shutdown stud lefty. Um, is that a realistic expectation or are you more along the lines of Alex's thought where he, he'll probably be good, but he's not going to be great. Yeah. I mean, I would have to agree to, I feel like it, it, you pretty much from what you just said, uh, running down what you guys had talked about, it seems like you pretty much hit it right on the head. Yeah, I think I think if if Justin Wilson comes back and he is a shutdown lefty, this pen is arguably the best in the league. But that is a very big if. Um, I don't think it's something you can be confident in. Uh, I think your best bet is still adding one more lockdown starter, round out this rotation, um, and hope for the best. And on that note, you uh, Darvish, uh, fairly recently, as we all know, he's been tweeting about his own free agent endeavors and multiple reports tonight said that Darvish has reportedly narrowed down his potential landing spots to Texas, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Astros, and the twins. Darvish actually quoted one of those tweets and said he knows one more team is in. You have to think it's the Dodgers um, coming up one win shy of a world series. Uh, they ran into the Cubs a couple, you know, two years ago. You know, at this point, where do you guys think Darvish ends up? And do, does this even happen before February? Or is it going to be February before Darvish uh, picks his new home? Alex, what do you think? I, I feel like it's it's got to happen soon because pitchers and catchers, like you said, they report in a month. Spring training is right around the corner. I would just think that they would want to know where they're going to be as soon as possible. 
My guess is that it's going to happen within the next few weeks. But then again, I said that a few weeks ago as well. So I really don't know for sure, but I'm really kind of hoping that it's going to, no matter where these guys go, these guys are going to be locked up with their new teams by the end of January. I think that would be pretty reasonable because it's hard to imagine someone who's seeking multiple years uh, trying to sign last minute. I kind of I agree with what you're saying because you would think that they'd want to, you know, uh, get to know who they're going to be playing with and things like that, especially if they're planning on being with the franchise for quite a few years. But I feel like when it comes to him almost, this has kind of turned into a bit of a game in the offseason for him. I don't know. I'm sure you guys obviously saw how one of the Barstool reporters reported that he was officially done and signed, you know, going to sign with the Cubs according to his his uh, position or whatever that was. And obviously that wasn't true. And then he tweeted back at the Barstool reporter saying that he was wrong. So I almost think that he's kind of just like letting this play out for as long as he can. I think it could very well go into February. I think the odds of Arietta going into February are even higher, just given he's a Boris client. I think Scott Boris knows how to make teams sweat. Uh, whatever your opinion is of him, he is very good at his job. Uh, he's very good at getting money for his clients. Uh, and I did see some stuff online earlier um, that, supposedly, and this is, this is just a report from the Sun-Times, that Arietta has offers from about half a dozen teams for three- or four-year contracts, uh, but the annual values on them are considered an overpay. So shorter-term, higher AAV. Um, do you guys think, and Taylor, we'll start with you, do you think there is a realistic chance that Jake Arietta comes back to the Cubs in 2018? No, I don't at all. I Like I said before, I personally am pushing for Darvish. I just think he's younger. and I, I, In my opinion, like, I love Jake Arrieta and everything, but, like, he's he's honestly getting a bit older. And, like, he yeah, he's been great over the past couple of years, but I just don't continue to see him in that elite status, you know, keep moving on an incline, I guess. So I don't I don't think that the Cubs are are gonna try to make a run for him at all. What do you think, Alex? I think that the chances are very, very, very slim. I wouldn't say one hundred percent no. I would have said one hundred percent no a few weeks ago, but the way this off season is going, I guess it gave me a slight, slight percent chance that it would maybe happen, but it's going to be a pretty much no for me as well. I'd be shocked if they came to an agreement. And I'm a really big fan of Jake, and I hope he continues to have a good career. But I'm going to pretty much say no with maybe a slight percent chance that it would happen. Yeah, I think you you touched on it this off season, and it's yeah, I mean it's very unique. Uh, the new collective bargaining agreement has essentially put salary caps in effect in baseball and it's changed everything this winter. Um, and I'm about as big of a Jake guy as you can get. Um, but I broke this down a couple weeks ago, uh, in a piece since his Cy Young 
2015 season when he won 22 games, put up a 177 ERA, probably the best pitch second half in baseball history. Um, his earned run average has gone up every year. His innings pitch have gone down every year. His fielding independent pitching number has gone up every year. His hits per nine have gone up every year. His home runs per nine have gone up every year. You know, it's just there are not to mention he's led the league in wild pitches each of the last two years. Those are all things that if we're talking about, you know, if these deals are going to be north of, say, $25 million a year, I don't want to see those trends. I really don't. Uh, Taylor, I'm, I'm with you. And like I said, I'm as big of a Jake guy as, 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 as I can possibly be, but give me Cobb or give me Darvish or slot Chatwood into the four spot and go sign Chris Tillman for a year and fill it that way. I, I'm just, at this point, it was a great ride. Nothing but gratitude for what he brought to the team, but it, it's time to go our separate ways. So moving on to one other piece of news. Um, So the Houston Astros obviously are in on pitching and Taylor, I'll go to you. What are the, if you were to put the Astros up against the Cubs, because they're going to be going after the same pitchers, uh, namely Arietta Darvish, especially, you know, what do you think the Cubs have going for them that maybe the Astros don't, you know, if you're trying to size up each one, how do you think the Cubs could differentiate themselves from Houston? Okay, gosh, that's a, that's a good question. Because honestly, if you really think about it, I kind of think the two teams are a bit similar. I mean, the way they built up through their farm system, they both have relatively pretty young cores. I mean, good starting pitching. I, I uh, this might just be a biased thing, but I feel like the atmosphere of Chicago and the fan base is way better than the Astros. And I mean, I've obviously never played professional baseball, but if I were a professional baseball player, I'd probably look at that when coming to a team too. I just feel like the the Cubs are like a, obviously a historical franchise where the Astros aren't really. So that's something that would maybe weigh on my mind. What about you, Alex? That's a really tough question, a really good question. And I kind of do agree with a little bit of the the self-bias, the atmosphere of Chicago. I think that maybe, again, this could be biased, but the culture in Chicago with Joe Madden and the way things work here could be a very attractive thing. Again, there are some attractive things about Houston, like it's in a, a warmer climate climate controlled where they played Chicago can be very windy and cold at times. So I don't know how much big of a factor that is for many players, but I'm sure there is something to think of there. So I think the culture and kind of the atmosphere is kind of my selling point. If I'm trying to sell something because, you know, Wrigley Field's always going to be packed. There's always going to be a lot of energy there and the personality of the people Again, it sounds very biased, but that's kind of what I would present. Yeah, I think if you think about, say, even 10 years from now, if I go up and ask, a, 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 you know, a casual baseball fan, you know, 
Name a couple players off the team that won the World Series in 2016 in Chicago. And then I follow that up with name the players from the 2017 Houston Astros. Obviously, it depends on how the next five to ten years play out. But just if, if Houston doesn't win another one and the Cubs don't win another one, people are going to remember. There is such a, an allure about winning in Chicago. People are going to remember the, North the Cubs. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And to your point, Taylor, you know, the atmosphere at Wrigley is different. Uh, This year, uh, 81 home games, the Cubs drew on average 10,000 more fans to home games at Wrigley this year than Houston did. Um, Obviously, those numbers are going to be somewhat skewed because of the hurricane late in the season. But it still it says a lot. It it shows that the Cubs fans are still hungry. They averaged, you know, just a tick under forty thousand fans a game, and you know there is a hunger even after. I think Cubs fans want to win even more after winning the World Series now, um, and, and I do. I think it's it's very different. Um, but kind of moving on from that, I've got what I thought was the most exciting story of the day. Guys, Kyle Schwarber is ripped. He looks great. And I think it's going to mean good things. I could be wrong. He might hit 220 and strike out 170 times, but I think it's going to be good. Alex, do you feel good about this? Yes, I do. I'm putting my faith in him. I know some people will laugh at me for it, but you look at what the kid can do. He still hit 30 home runs last year. You look at his on-base abilities. He can take walks. If he's even stronger than he was before, and you saw some of those drives he hit, look out. I think a lot of the thing that he's going to work on is, obviously, his physical physique, I should say, uh, that's being worked on now, obviously. He looks better than ever. And he's going to keep working at the hitting. And now they got a guy like Chili Davis as the hitting coach. I think a combination of some chili and some working out is going to do some great things for him. And right now I'm thinking he can reach the 45 home run mark. If we're just looking at that in terms of batting average, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a skewed stat. So if he's above 220 and his on base is 350 or above, we'll take that. Taylor, what do you think? Well, I think the other, yeah, the other thing that you obviously have to look at too, he's getting in, in better shape, as we were saying. He's obviously lost quite a bit of weight and put on muscle mass from what we can tell. I mean, obviously it's hitting, but also, I mean, that could really make him better in the outfield is what I'm thinking about. You know, he obviously hasn't been that great of an outfield outfielder for the Cubs, but if he's lost a little bit of weight, maybe his speed's increased, might be able to, you know, catch a few balls that he didn't catch in the, the past few years you know now so his fielding could also get better but I also feel like I mean I'm putting my faith in him too because I love Kyle Schwarber and I want him to do really well and I'd like to see him stay with the Cubs but um I guess we'll see he's definitely got to step up when it comes to his batting too like you were saying it's I think if he's not going to be talked about in trade rumors for next offseason yeah I think you guys both you know, hit it on the head. Obviously the Cubs expect more from him at the plate. Um, Alex, as much as I would love to see 45 home runs, I would be even happier with 25 home runs and him hitting 280. Uh, I would be over the moon with that. Uh, And if you throw in, 
improved defense, which I think is going to come with, you know, toning up. Like, he's toned down. He looks much leaner than he has, um, you know. I think this could be him turning the corner. And more than anything, it's just another example of the character and the values that Theo and Jed are targeting when they're drafting these kids. I mean, Theo's as high on Kyle as anyone. Probably, there's probably nobody higher on, on Schwartz than, than Theo is. And he has always talked that Kyle is willing to do whatever it takes. And it's really encouraging to see a guy this young put in this kind of effort. He's, he's overhauling his entire lifestyle just to be a better ball player, be a better teammate, be a, you know, a bigger asset to this club. And, and Alex, I think that's something that separates the Cubs, maybe not from the Astros, but from a lot of teams. I think the culture is it's so different than anything I've ever seen in Chicago. Uh, and I think it, it starts at the top with the rickets and just flows down. Yeah, absolutely. So I know when he came in, he said, hey, we're going to uh, – they were transparent. They, you know, we're going to come in. We're going to tear it down to the studs. We're going to build it back up. We're going to have a perennial contender. We're going to have the best facilities in the world, both in Wrigley and in Arizona. I mean, that's what they want, and they were going to find the right players. Um, and I think that's important. You saw him do that, Theo, uh, do that in Boston, too, understanding it's not always about the best guys, it's about the right guys. And, you know, that, that's the only reason David Ross was brought in, is because of his ability to control a clubhouse. He knew how to handle young players, how to teach them to win, he knew how to bridge the gap between guys like John Lester, who's, you know, kind of a grizzled vet, and these young guys. Um, but I, I think it's it's very promising and things. I'm sure we all expect big things. I'm super excited. I'm headed to Cubs convention on Friday afternoon. I can't wait to see Schwarbs in person uh, just to kind of get a better idea of what he looks like uh, as opposed to in the past. And, uh, yeah, it should be, should be exciting stuff. Uh, kind of related to that, obviously, Schwarber needs to improve his defense. You've got a perennial gold glove winner and Hayward and Wright. Um, I did kind of want to hash out Albert uh, Almora Jr. Some people say the Cubs need a leadoff hitter. Some people say that guy is Almora, or he, at the very least, is a center fielder. Taylor, what do you want for Almora? this season. I love that idea. I, I like him as a leadoff hitter. I really like Albert Almora a lot. And I feel like he's really underrated and not used enough. feel like he, he should get more starting opportunities than he does. Um, get more at-bats than he does. I really like him and I feel like he's underrated and people don't realize how good he is. What about you, Alex? Uh, I'm right with you. I've been calling for Albert Almora to play more the past season or so because when you saw him play, especially down the stretch last year, he was really, really good. In the second half, when they were going down the last few months or so, when they were in that race, you saw him come up with some really big hits. The The ball explodes off his bat. Uh, his slash line, looking at it, 298, 338, and 445. 
uh, for a kid playing in really his first full big season, and it really wasn't even a full big season considering he didn't play full time, I saw a lot of good things there. Yeah, you kind of want him to have a little better pitch selection, but I think that's getting better. I think the walk rate is obviously going to need to get a little better, but 5.9, you could keep improving on that, but he keeps building up on it. So everything that we're saying he needs to build up on, we've seen him build up on uh, recently. So I understand that there's a little bit of a, a risk involved considering he is still pretty young and there are still things to work on. But if you look at all the things he's improved on over the past year, both hitting righties and lefties, and being a little better at selecting pitches, no matter who he's facing, uh, I think he's going to be a really good asset and someone I would definitely consider for the role of batting leadoff. Yeah, I think the big thing is he just has to work more counts. Uh, After the All-Star break, he drew two walks and 135 plate appearances. Granted, he still put up an 850 OPS, um, but he hit 326, and his on-base percentage was only five points higher at 331. So when he got on base, I mean, it was it was with a base hit, which I love. Uh, I think that that speaks to his ability with the bat. Uh, but again, as a leadoff hitter, there's a lot more to it than just getting on base. You have to work counts. You've got to let the guys behind you see some pitches. Uh, but overall, I think Elmore is the guy. I think you definitely have to give him center field in 2018. I mean, Taylor, do you see any any reason outside of some blockbuster trade for Christian Yelich that Elmore doesn't start in center field on opening day? I not that not that I can think of. I don't know if you guys can think of anything. <laughs> what about you, Alex? I'm sorry, you cut out for a second. What was the question? Yeah. Do you see a scenario outside of a Christian Yelich blockbuster that Almora isn't in center field for opening day? Uh, I think he's the guy to be in center field unless, yeah, there was some sort of big move for Yelich because Lorenzo Cain has been kind of tossed around, but I really don't see that happening. Uh, We haven't really signed anyone else and I don't, see Hayward suddenly going to center field and Almora going to right field, even though they have played those positions before. So my guess for right now is Almora is going to be the opening day starting center fielder. Yeah. And I definitely wouldn't have any problem with that. You know, I think the Cubs have the depth, at least, you know, with five weeks till spring training starts, we've still got this whole position player core. You know, you're going to have, I imagine Victor Caratini is the backup catcher slash backup first baseman. Tommy Lasella is going to be in there. You know, obviously Zobris can play pretty much anywhere. Ian Happ's still there. So the Cubs have the pieces to move around, but I think you definitely have to, to give Elmore a, a Wait, fair shake. So at, I have a question then. It, if we, who do you guys think the, the starting lineup is going to be then on opening day? Alex, I'll let you go first because I've got mine pretty much down. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I said Al Moore is going to start um, in center field. So, I'm going to put him in leadoff. Uh, then I'm going to have Bryant. Then I'm going to have Rizzo. The four, I think I'm going to go Wilson Contreras. Five. Um, I'm trying to think because who would be the opening day starter for the Marlins? Would it be a lefty or a righty? Who would – who would be their guy? Do you know? 
Uh, well, it depends who else they decide to uh, unload. Let me take a look. I, I feel like it might be um, Urania. I, that that would be my guess. I mean, he's not going anywhere, and he's a right-hander. So I, I think if we're following the same line of thought, I'm guessing Schwarber would be in the five spot. Yes, exactly. So let's let's just say he's the starter. We're going to put Schwarber in the five spot, and then you're going to have uh, Russell and Baez, and then you're going to have, um, let's see, Russell, Baez, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, and then you have Hayward. I think you're going to start Hayward low, uh, personally, just with the way he's bad. I mean, I guess it will also ride on spring training, but for all intents and purposes right now, I'm going to put him really low in the lineup. So honestly, now I'm just going to put him eight right before the pitcher spot. And I think the pitcher starting pitcher, I think you're going to stick with the John Lester. I know you can make the argument for Kyle Hendricks, but uh, I still think John Lester is going to be the opening day starter unless maybe they get you Darvish and they put him at number one. But as for right now, I would put John Lester. Okay, that, I was just curious. So you don't think Ben Zobris will be starting on opening day? I don't think so. I I don't think there's any reason why he should be. I think that he he's incredibly valuable, like incredibly valuable to the Cubs. But it is as a guy who can come off the bench, work a ten pitch at bat, or come in play five different positions. Uh, I think he's valuable. He's going to get starts, but I think he should be used how Joe Madden used Almora last year off the bench, primarily give guys a blow when they need it. But I think that he's more valuable off the bench. What do you think Taylor? No, I agree. That's why I asked you guys. I was just curious. I pretty much have the exact same starting lineup that you did, Alex. Yeah. I mean, that's the one that I've been filling out for the last two months now. So it's good to know that we all could do Joe Madden's job tonight. Uh, we have the lineup <laughs> card ready. And uh, I will expect each of our shares of that $5 million salary in the mail. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> so, you know, an interesting conversation and Alex, you know, that, that blaze and I have gone back and forth on this. Uh, we've actually responded to each other's articles on who should start opening day. He agrees with you. This is John Lester's team. Still. I say it's time to pass the baton to Hendricks. So Taylor, we would love to get your opinion on this. Ooh, I, I, I like this. Um, gosh, that's tough. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of with you that maybe it's time to pass the baton because in reality, Lester's getting older and I'm hoping that the Cubs, you know, eventually sign Henricks to a longer deal. And I mean, I feel like he's going to eventually be, be your ace or I'm hoping that he will be the Cubs ace. So why not, why not pass the baton early and get things started? Well, here's my thing. This, as an ace, it's great to have somebody that can come in and, you know, blow hitters away. And I'm not saying John Lester's that guy because he's not anymore. But I will take consistency over flash any day. And since he joined the big league club, Kyle Hendricks has a sub-three earned run average. 
I mean, that's insane. From a starting pitcher who barely breaks 90 miles an hour, he doesn't get rattled. He has come through. He pitched, you know, the NLCS clincher at Wrigley. He started Game 7 of the World Series, never rattled, delivered consistently. I just think he's earned it. I really do. I think that he has done more than enough to earn it. I think John Lester knows he's on the back nine of his career, and I think he accepts that. That being said, I think he still could bounce right back and have another really good year after a shaky 2017. But I, I just I, – I don't know – what your you know more detailed thoughts on this are Alex but I, I just think Hendricks has done everything possible to earn that role and I think that's a very fair argument I really do if they went with Kyle Hendricks on opening day believe me I wouldn't have any objections whatsoever uh my I, I am going to say one little thing about John Lester and I want to hear what you guys have to say about it this is kind of my hot take of 2017 regarding John Lester and again, be fully honest with me with this one. I think John Lester was playing a lot of last year injured. What do you guys think of that? Taylor, you can go ahead. Um, well, one, I'm going to be a little honest. Living out in Arizona, <laughs> I can't see as many Cubs games as you guys can unless I am, I honestly mostly listen to them. So I really couldn't tell you that much um, view wise. Yeah. I, I mean, on my part, I, I think that something was up. I, I think that the drop off was too drastic. You know, he put up a four, three, three earned run average. I mean, that's his worst since 2012. And before then, the only other time he'd broken four point, you know, anywhere, you know, in the fours was 2007. So I I just, I think the drop was too drastic for him to have been healthy the whole year. But I think it's just his bulldog mentality. There's no way you're keeping John Lester out of the rotation, especially with the Cubs struggling to keep their head above water for 80% of the season. Yeah, you know, I really do feel like John Lester is going to bounce back. I just, I think he still has enough left in the tank. And when I look at last year, I looked at a lot of the games he pitched. There just something wasn't right to me. And I know a lot of people noticed that as well. Sometimes the velocity wasn't quite there, but it wasn't like a huge dramatic drop off. But remember when he had that lat muscle problem, when he left the game where he really struggled against the Reds? I'm not saying like he was seriously injured, but I just don't think he was 100% physically there for a good portion of that season. You saw him really struggle to put guys away, even when he got ahead of them. And they're just, just something looked off. And I think that with some nice rest this off season, not having to worry about all the world series hoopla and what that he can kind of regain his form. Cause I think he's just too good of a pitcher to keep dropping off. Yeah, 100%. I agree with everything you just said. I think I think Cubs fans need to be careful. I think expecting what he did in 2016 is foolish. Yeah, that was a career year for him. It was a career year for everybody. Everything went right for the Cubs in 2016. Everyone was healthy outside of Schwarber. Everybody. Multiple guys put up 
career years. Addison Russell drove at 95 runs. Kyle Hendricks wins the ERA title. You get a roll to Chapman, and he puts up a 101 ERA after you get him from New York. I mean, everything went right. But all I'm looking for, for the majority of what's left on, on Lester's deal, if you win 12 to 15 games and you have an earned run average anywhere between 3 and 3-5, three I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Because I think he, he adds so much more than just what he does on the mound to that team. Yeah, absolutely agree. So if Lester and Hendricks, obviously, you know, it seems like as of this moment, they're one, two. What do you guys think about Jose Quintana? This is, I mean, obviously this is his first full season as a Cub. Um, We got a little taste of him after he came over from the White Sox. Um, Taylor, what are your thoughts on Quintana heading into his first full season as a Cub? I'm excited for it. I thought he was great on the White Sox. And actually, obviously, you know, as a Cubs fan, well, I don't know if you guys are both Cubs fans. I know Jake is. Alex, I'm not sure if you are. But if you are, I'm sure you're not a huge Sox fan. I don't necessarily hate them. But first ever Sox game I got to go to was um, to help Comcast Sportsnet cover a game. And he pitched. And I was super impressed. And that was years ago. So, I mean, I'm excited for him, and I liked that that the Cubs got him initially anyway. So, I'm excited to see what he does full season with the Cubs. Yeah, what do you think, Alex? I'm very excited myself. And to answer your question, Taylor, yeah, I'm religiously a Cubs fan, so I see as I, many I, games as I can. I figured, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go talking a bunch of crap about the Sox and, you know, you jump in oh, and say something. <laughs> you can say whatever about the Sox. I don't care. I'm a Cubs fan. But, uh, yeah, regarding Jose Quintana, I really liked it when they got him. I understand that they gave up some pretty big prospects for him. But, hey, you know what? When you want to get a very consistently good pitcher like Quintana that has years of really – really good control like that contract is wonderful you're gonna have to give up stuff for it and I think it was absolutely the appropriate move and last year if you look at his numbers with the Cubs outside uh I'd say two really bad games one against the Phillies and then one against the Diamondbacks because that's because Paul Goldschmidt just went off that day you took you take away those two games and you take away his final start which was in the NLCS You look at all his other starts, really solid, efficient stuff. His first two career postseason starts, uh, the first game against the Dodgers and the game against the Nationals, he was really, really good. And his debut with the Cubs was fantastic. And you saw his K rate go up, too, so he was striking guys out a bit more. Yeah, he struggled a little bit at times, unlike he has in the past, but you look at his overall numbers the past four seasons – as consistently good as you can get. And I think that he will be very, very good in this coming year. Yeah, I think that – I don't think you could have possibly asked for more out of him. Everyone's going to have those clunkers. Like you said, Paul Goldschmidt went off. Shocker. He does that on a pretty regular basis. Jose Quintana just happened to be on the mound. I mean, you can't fault him for that. I'll take one bad start because he was – Again, he's not a flashy pitcher. He's but 
God, is he consistent. And if I'm a fan, that's what I want. I'm not asking you to go out and throw eight shutout innings and strike out 17 guys a night. I want you to give me a quality start, six, give me six innings, allow two or three earned runs. You do that every night, you're giving an offense like the Cubs a very good chance to win. And I think that's what Quintana does better than a lot of pitchers in baseball. And I don't know if Cubs fans really realize how consistent he was for us. Yeah. Obviously, so, so, you know, those three atop the rotation, there's going to be somebody else. Don't know who it is yet. But, and, and I know that, Taylor, we talked about this a bit three weeks ago, but since it's been three weeks and nothing else has happened, uh, Tyler Chatwood obviously is brought in early on in the offseason, three years, $39 million, struggled with Colorado last year, but if you take his numbers outside of Denver, he was a solid pitcher. Uh, good movement on his pitches. And one point I want to bring up before I, I kick it over to you, Alex, and get your thoughts since we haven't heard from you on Chatwood, is I saw it on Twitter, and it was the best thing that I'd seen. The Cubs are going to sign somebody to replace Jake Arrieta. Tyler Chatwood is not meant to be Jake Arrieta. He is brought in to replace John Lackey. That's not an incredibly tall task. Lackey was serving up home runs like he was flipping burgers at McDonald's last year. It was rough. I respect John Lackey a lot because he never gives in. He always battles, but he just didn't have it last year. If Chatwood replaces Lackey and we get someone else, I mean, you have to feel good about what Chatwood's bringing to the table, don't you, Alex? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you look at his numbers outside of Coors Field, they are very solid. And you look at how much younger he is than John Lackey, so he's probably a lot more durable right now. And if he works with Jim Hickey and kind of gets that command on top, because that was his big problem, a consistent problem both on the road and at home was the command. But on the road, he did not get hit hard. His batting average against was sub 200. The movement on his pitches, he's been told by analysts that his movement is elite. Exact words. So that's a really good thing to have. Uh, gets a lot of ground balls. And think about it. Think of the Cubs infield. Think about the good defenders we have. If he's serving up a lot of ground balls, then a lot of those are going to turn into outs. So that is a really, really, really smart signing by the Cubs because he's young enough to have a lot left in the tank. He's going to an environment that isn't uberly hitter-friendly like Coors Field. And let's face it, John Lackey, you pretty much summed him up great. He would do some good things, but he served up home runs like crazy and was much older. If this is replacing John Lackey, I think there's a lot of upside to this. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And, you know, I, I just – I like Chatwood a lot. I trust this front office to get these types of signings right. And I think that's the biggest difference from, you know, past eras and past regimes. You just have faith. And it, it's nice. I like it. Um, but I would really love to see Tyler Chatwood come out and put together a really solid first season and kind of silence some of those doubters. Um, but we've got a little over 10 minutes left. I did want to get to 
some questions, Taylor. I'm sure you have some from followers. Um, I just wanted to get one from our Facebook page from Don Hyman. And I, I really like where his head's at here. With all the Bryce Harper hype, would the Cubs be better off signing an elite pitcher like Madison Bumgarner for half the money of Harper and having funds to extend our own position players? So whichever one of you wants to take a stab at that. Um, Wait, say, I, I, I say that again? So obviously next winter it is – you know, it's going to be Bryce Harper mania. Would the Cubs be better off to focus on adding elite starting pitching or even waiting another year because uh, Bumgarner has, he'll be a free agent after 2019. So that was the name he mentioned. I don't think Don realized that he has a team option for 2019, but would the Cubs be better off signing an elite starting pitcher and building a, a really solid rotation and using the leftover money. So say you sign a guy to a $150 million deal and Harper wants, I'm guessing 400 million. Would the Cubs be better off focusing on some of those quote unquote cheaper players, or should they go all in on someone like Bryce Harper? Is this, talking about next off is he talking about next off season all together like building the starting pitcher and starting pitching next off season too is that what he's saying yeah yeah as opposed so if you know if there's a stud out there and he wants say 150 million are the cubs better off giving that kind of money as opposed to say sinking 400 million dollars into bryce harper oh well for me i i say go all in for Bryce Harper, but I just love Bryce Harper and I just would love to see him playing alongside, you know, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo. But that's just my opinion. And I mean, in terms of this season, I don't even think there's that many great free agent starting pitchers on the market. I mean, there, there are, I think Jake Arrieta is probably the best one this off season, but like we all said, I, I don't, foresee the Cubs getting him and in terms of everybody else I mean there there are good starting pitchers but nobody that's like I don't know Chris Dale to the to the Red Sox nothing like that in my mind the only way that this the next year's offseason gets turned on its head Clayton Kershaw has an opt-out after this season and he's got two years left on his deal after that so he could ride it out he's making 35 million dollars a year so it's not like he's hurting for money but if Kershaw opted out, then I I can't help but think next winter would just be pandemonium. Alex, any thoughts on that type of scenario at least? Yeah, you know, I've been kind of thinking about the whole Bryce Harper thing because, believe me, I would love to have him here. And there's a big part of me that just says, go all out on him. I think that he wants to be here. Chris Bryant wants him here. The fans want him here. Imagining that lineup with Bryce Harper would be pretty, pretty awesome. I just am not so sure how realistic everything is. So it's a really tough question to answer. I think right now what I would do is, I I would try to go after as much pitching as you could now, because if you look at the years coming up, 
you're going to have some guys on the market or potentially on the market, but you know, I don't see Clayton Kershaw opting out and I couldn't imagine what he would go for if he were on the market next year. But uh, so I'm kind of in the whole go all out for Harper camp and just kind of try to get as much pitching as you can now, because I feel like the Cubs really just could use one more good starter, whether it's a Cobb, whether it's a Darvish and everything else is kind of set. And then they're going to be thinking about a Hendricks extension. I'm pretty sure. So, you know, I'm kind of in that camp. There's a lot to think about with that. So, there's a lot of different ways you could go out, but that's kind of the overall camp I'm in right now. No, that makes sense. Like I said, with hypotheticals, it's always hard to nail down a concrete solution. Um, but Taylor, we've got about six minutes left let, here tonight. Um, I just me, wanted, I know let, you. Yeah. Ahead. I've got a couple of questions here. I, we kind of touched on them a little bit, but um all right, so I don't know if I'm saying this right. This right, uh, Swanky Trey, I think is how you say his name. I'm not positive, but he said, "Does Kyle Schwarber's weight loss provide any benefit to his ability to play defense, or is he still liable in the field who can't hit lefties?" Uh, no, being more agile. Still, sorry, I read better. that wrong. Still a liability in the field who can't hit lefties. That's what I meant. No. Defensively, losing weight, being more athletic, his, his baseball instincts are too good for him not to improve defensively. I, I don't think that's a debatable question anymore. I mean, if you're athletic and you have good baseball instincts, which Kyle absolutely does, you're going to benefit defensively from losing weight and being more athletic. I mean, Alex, I don't think I could possibly be missing the ball on this, am I? No, I don't think you are. I think that if you're obviously slimmer, more agile, you can get to the ball quicker. You can kind of make a play a little more smoothly. I think for me, one of the things that's going to be really worked on is just the basic fundamentals. Uh, Judging a fly ball, judging a ground ball, judging a, a line drive. I think that being in better physical shape will definitely improve his ability to cover more ground. It's just going to have to be on him to improve a little bit on the fundamentals, if that makes sense. All right, Taylor, what else you got for us? All right. um, Got a few more questions here. I'm just going to look really quick and pick kind of the best one. All right, we have – we kind of touched on this too, but is it smart for the Cubs right now with a four-man rotation to wait for Darvish or Jake or to make a decision, or should they just make Mike the fifth starter because of the consistency that he has when he comes out of the pen? And that's from Brizzo123. So he's obviously a big Cubs fan. I love, love the name. Uh, Alex, I'll defer to you first on this one. I say don't try to settle for anything. I You go all out for one of those guys. Even if you're cutting it close to spring training and they, they aren't signed or one of them isn't signed, you go after them because you want every opportunity to make yourself better. And I like Mike Montgomery. 
Uh, I really do. I think he's got promise. I really like his curveball. We've seen him have some pretty good starts last year. We've also seen some things that were a little eh, iffy about, a little bit of inconsistency. So I think if they end up with that rotation with Mike Montgomery five and Chatwood four, that to me would seem like they really tried to get one of the three Cobb, Arietta or Darvish and it didn't happen. I can't see them just kind of saying, all right, we're done waiting. We're going to move on. I think that they're going to go at this until the end. Yeah. I don't really have much to add. I agree with Alex 100%. Yeah, I, I think they need to go for it till the end because I mean, I know you said you like Mike Montgomery. I'm not the biggest fan of him. Not that I think he's terrible, but I just feel like he has been demanding that he's a starting pitcher and wants to be on a team where he's a starting pitcher. I don't feel like he's put up numbers to be that demanding. Um, But I I, will see. I, I would be disappointed if we had Chatwood and then Mike Montgomery in the four or five. I hope that the Cubs can get one other starting pitcher. I would agree. Uh, Taylor, we got about a minute and a half or so left. Uh, let's try okay, and crank through let, a couple. Let me, let me, all right, let's, uh, we can do a lightning speed round if I can get these up quickly. Um, this one's kind of long, and I'm not really sure how much of a question it is, but uh, – Signing of Drew Smiley by Theo for the bullpen. Um, do you guys think it's a huge signing? In 2013, he was one of the better relievers in the game, and since then has started. You can understand why uh, his numbers were kind of crappy when he ended up having uh, TJ midseason. Uh, the only issue he has is that his wall rate is high and gives up home runs, which isn't good at Wrigley. So uh, what do you guys uh, think of the Drew Smiley signing? Uh I love the Smiley signing. It's completely irrelevant this year. At least that's how you have to go into it. Um, But I think he could definitely be a piece uh, in 2019. Um, I don't know how Alex feels, but I also think he could be a a big asset in getting Alex Cobb to come to Chicago. Yeah, I think it's low risk, high reward. Won't do any harm, so why not? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. And I think we also have to remember that Smiley's familiar with Madden. He's familiar with Jim Hickey. I mean, Joe loves his guys. I mean, if nothing else, that's one thing you can always count on him for. Um, But uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up tonight, guys. Thank you for your time. Uh, Everyone who sent in questions, we appreciate it. We will be back next week. Uh, Keep an eye on the Cubby's Crib Twitter and Facebook pages um, in the coming days. And we will keep you updated on when the next show will be. So thanks for being with us. And we'll talk to you next week.